Good evening, friends. Very happy to be here tonight in the service of the Lord, and happy to see all you people out. <clears throat> We're just a little late getting in tonight, so I was praying, and they were knocking on the door, but I couldn't hear them. I was kind of lost the way in prayer. That's a good way to be, isn't it? <laughs> Talking to our lovely Master. Now, we, this is the third night of the services, and we trust that everyone has been blessed by the Holy Spirit since the meeting has been going on. Phoenix ought to be in good condition for a city-sweeping revival in every church. Brother Roberts has just left, God's servant, and he always has a good revival, and the Lord has been with us so far in this revival. So my every church ought to be helped now. And I believe they're having a revival or two around the city now. The First Assemblies of God, I believe it is, is having a, a revival and morning meetings also by some evangelists. And I don't remember just what the brother's name is now, but I heard about it. But Hagen, Hagen, Brother Hagen is holding a revival at the, is that the First Assembly? First Assemblies of God. And I've met their pastor, a fine man, and he had the meeting already stationed, the reason they were staged rather, because he said he was, the reason they couldn't come into this meeting. And it never hurts when he's a tourist town like this. My, there's plenty of people going to church. And he has a morning service, too, over there about 9 or 10 o'clock. And you strangers in the city, drop in. Here's the brother. I've never met him, but... He's my brother anyhow, whether I've met him or not. And then I think these other revivals that I don't know nothing of, we'd be glad to announce them from the platform if they'd turn them in. And we're trying our best to get our part of seeing the bride make herself ready for the coming of the Lord. That's our alternative. And the Lord be praised for it. And now Everybody feeling real good tonight? Just all prayed up and ready? Oh, that's just fine. And now there's some handkerchiefs here that I want to pray over before we start. The handkerchiefs, yes, sir, brother. Um, these handkerchiefs represent sick people. I remember one time in Africa, I believe it was, we had, I lived around 21 sackfuls us to be prayed for, thousands of handkerchiefs. Someone said, Brother Bram is a very fine fellow, but said he's very superstitious. <laughs> he prays over handkerchiefs. <laughs> but it was not superstition, it's trying to do something that our brothers before us did and help the people. We're taught in the Bible that they're taking off the body of St. Paul, handkerchiefs or aprons. I believe Paul had scripture for everything he did, don't you think so? Because he, he certainly would be unscriptural with it. And he, um, I believe he got that from where Elijah said to his servant, Gehazi, I believe it was, when the Shunammite woman's baby had died, he said, take this staff and go lay it on the child. Elijah knew that everything that he touched was blessed if he could just get the woman to believe the same thing. But her faith wasn't in the staff, it was in the prophet. So 
But I think that's where Paul got it. Now, we know we're not Paul, neither Elisha, but we know that we still serve the same God. And they were man, just as you are, man subject to like patience, the Scripture says, as we are, and they prayed earnestly, and God respected them. God sent someone that people can have confidence as a part of contact to contact him. We're thankful for a father like that, aren't we, children? All of us loving, kind, trying to do everything that lays within his power to get us to believe and accept him on his terms of love. Now, these anxious here, perhaps out in the desert there, somewhere across the country, sick children, mothers and fathers, really sick. They put these in here with all sincerity. I see a little bib here that says, Baby. What was that? My baby. What if it was yours? Somebody's baby, and they're looking for this to come back. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to Thee in the simplicity of faith, believing that what we ask, we receive, because we ask it in Jesus' name, who promised us that if we'd ask the Father anything in His name, that He'd do. And we believe Him. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that Your blessings will rest upon these handkerchiefs and little bibs and pieces of good here. You've seen them when they brought them. And I pray, Father, that you'll bless each and every one. And may these handkerchiefs and little articles here be sanctified. May the Holy Spirit watch over them till they get to their destination. This little baby, when this is placed up on it, whatever the trouble may be, may Satan move back. We're taught in the Bible that when Israel on their journey to the Promised Land, came up to the Red Sea. They were walking in God's provided way, moving led by the angel of the light. And when they got to the Red Sea, it was in their way. Keep them out of the Promised Land. One said that God looked down through the pillar of fire with angered eyes, something trying to prevent His perfect will to be done. And the sea got scared moved back and opened up its ways, and Israel walked across on dry land. Father, when these handkerchiefs and so forth reaches the sick, may God look back again through the blood of His Son, the Lord Jesus, with angered eyes upon the enemy, and may He get scared and move away because of this token, and may they go to the promise of good health and strength. With all the sincerity of our heart, we send it for this purpose. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> We're so happy to know that the Lord Jesus has never left us, neither will he ever forsake us. He's the same blessed Lord Jesus from eternity to eternity. Never failed. And he's just as real today as he was in the days of Galilee. <clears throat> Where I am staying here in your lovely city with a very lovely people there. And they were, yesterday morning there was something happened. There was a vision came to me in the room. 
visions just don't just come at the platform. This is just a little part of it. And then the room of vision came, and I went to the table where the sisters, the setting present now was. I said I saw a vision of a little girl, just about so high, blonde-headed, and she's destined to die today in a wreck in a black automobile. I said he had told me to pray for the child, that this would be bypassed, and I have. I said, it's thus saith the Lord. You'll hear of it in the next two or three days. In the same hour, the lovely little girl of that home was out in an automobile or just barely escaped death, was brought back safely. How our Heavenly Father, just marvelously, then we were sitting just a while ago talking about it. Those things happen all the time, different things. It's a sure sign that our Lord has risen from the dead. He lives among us and He loves us all. He loves all the Methodists here. He loves all the Baptists, all the Presbyterians, and all the Pentecostal and Nazarenes, all. He loves everybody. Little denominational barriers keep us, our fellowship apart, but God loves us just the same. We're His, His children. His grace overrides the whole thing. And he loves us all. Whether we are white, brown, yellow, black, it doesn't make a bit of difference to him. We all come from one person, Adam. Each one of us, whether we're white, brown, black, or yellow, we can transfuse blood to each other and save each other's life by blood transfusion. I'm so thankful that one come who is made different from all of us, and through the transfusion of his blood, we live forever. The Lord Jesus. Who was neither Jew nor Gentile. He was God. God's own blood was in him. He is a creative blood. Wasn't you any man? The Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary, and she conceived and brought forth Jesus Christ, the Son of God, which was the blood coming from the male was God's own blood that were either Jewish blood or Gentile blood. It was a blood from Emmanuel's veins. So we're so thankful for that breaking out all the middle walls of petition and bringing us into one lovely fellowship together. I see some of my Indian friends are sitting back in tonight. So thankful they are here. And God helping me, I think Saturday I have services on the reservation. be one of the high spots of my life to get back to the Apache, I think it's the Apache Indian Reservation for our service. I never forget the last night there, talking to the Indians. I guess maybe they don't even understand English, maybe some of them here. But when I try to speak to them and tell them that Jesus loved them, remember, friend, that's the real American. That's right. How they have feelings. They're not made out of sawdust. They're human beings. Love the Lord and the Lord loves them. So. I remember speaking to them, a call for a prayer line, no one raised up. Usually you can't keep them out of the prayer line. This way no one wanted in the prayer line. Now I heard some of the Spanish friends say, by the way, where's our little Spanish choir and those little ladies who sing for us? Wish we could get them together again. And I heard them say, I don't know where, Gloria Adios, is that it? <laughs> Something like that. Gloria Adios. 
And I thought, uh-oh, we'll have a prayer line because they're around. So they had a great faith. And then in the process, a few moments, the Lord, as we got, the missionary brought some out of a little place I was standing on a balcony preaching, and they brought some one out. It was a, a lady, and the lady, I believe, had uh, a social disease, not because she was immoral, but just the way she had lived. And she was so startled, you hear me say that? How did I know that? That kind of struck her. And next was a little girl, the best I remember, was deaf from a fever. And the Lord Jesus healed her, and she was also couldn't talk. And she was mumbling off something. I said to the interpreter, she'll talk better. I said, hmm, her talk heap good now. Because well, I didn't know what. So they was, they was a little cross-eyed boy then healed. Then I really had a prayer line, like a stampede. Everybody getting in the prayer line. I remember the next one to come, Brother Moore, here I'll be helping you along the road. A poor old woman come up to me. She had broomsticks with a piece of cross and a rag wrapped on it for a crutch. And when she come, her hair hanging down, she looked up at me and her poor old wrinkled face ditched in with tears of time. The tears running from her dimmed eyes, making their way down through those trenches in her face. Oh, somebody's mother. She looked at me, my, such a flow of faith, love, and respect. She never asked me to pray for her. She just looked at me, got a hold of one crutch, the other and handed him up to me, straightened up, and went walk on her way, just like that. The simplicity of faith. We, the white people, we try to figure it all out, see how it's going to be done. They don't try to figure it out, they just believe. So easy. Wonderful. You know, I think we ought to forget a lot we've learned, don't you think so? So we can just serve the Lord. Now, tonight, I want to read just a little scripture and speak to you. By the way, this had had a wonderful altar call last night. I'm so happy for that. This is something new. I never made my own altar call before till this time. And I, I am very thankful that the Lord is giving me souls. That's the main thing. That's the reason our meeting is going on as well as it is, is because that children are being born in the kingdom. God wants us to, he'd rather see one child born in the kingdom than all the people that's playing here to be made well tonight. It'd be worth more. He loves to heal his children, but he wants to give them more than that. He wants to heal their souls so that in the resurrection he can just give you an immoral body and or you'll never be sick no more, crippled anymore, blind, whatever it is. That's the way he wants to do for you. Now, in the scriptures in Genesis 22, turn quickly now if you're going to read with me. Just a little uh, text as it was to speak. Uh, clock's just ahead of me so I can watch and we want to start a prayer line just at nine, if the Lord willing. So, we will... Read now from Genesis 22, the 7th verse, and then the 14th verse, 7th and 8th verse, and then the 14th. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father, and said, My father? And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? 
And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself a lamb for the burnt offering. So they went both of them together. The fourteenth verse now. And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah Jireh, as it is said in, to this day in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. Shall we just bow our heads a moment now while we speak to the author? Our Heavenly Father, receive these words that have been read from our Holy Scripture tonight, knowing that they are immortal, they are eternal, they will never die. The Lord Jesus said while here in his earthly pilgrim, he said, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word shall never pass away. So we know that as long as the ages rolls on, beyond the time that is to come, these verses of the red tonight will be gone on and on and on and on. They're endless because God chose them and placed them in his Bible. Will you take them tonight upon this basis, and if you said that your word would not return to you void, it was accomplished that which it was purposed for, and thou knowing the purpose of our hearts, then, Father, may it find a resting place in every heart tonight. And may those who are out of the way, not knowing thee as the personal Savior, never receive the Holy Spirit. Pardoning of sin, being born again, justified by faith. Pray, Father, it will sink deep into their hearts, and they will come lovely, humbly to the cross and be justified in thy sight. And may those who are here, your children, who have already accepted you, laying here on top stretchers, bound in wheelchairs, hopeless, helpless, as far as the world is concerned. Some sitting out there heart trouble, may tie any minute, passed out in the moment of time. Without hope, God, may thy word place in their hearts the riches of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus tonight, that promises in there, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive it, you shall have it. And may him and his wonderful resurrecting power come here tonight. Lord, get glory out of the service, for we ask it in the name of thy beloved child, the Lord Jesus. Amen. May God in heaven bless his words tonight and his people together as we approach on the word, talking about Jehovah Jireh. God has seven compound redemptive names. Jehovah Jireh the first, Jehovah Jireh the Lord will provide himself a sacrifice. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that healeth thee. And on down, Jehovah Nassim, the butler, the shield, the peace. Seven compound redemptive things that was revealed by Jehovah. And all those compound redemptive names gathered up in one lovely big name, Jesus Christ. And in there rests all the fulfilling of uh, the compound redemptive names of Jehovah. Now, God speaking in sundry times and divers matters to the 
the fathers of the prophets in this last day have spoke to us through his Son, the Lord Jesus. Our belief, if there be strangers in our gates tonight, we want to welcome you. But here is the basic uh, thought, or the basic motive of us being here in Phoenix tonight is this, that we believe that the Scripture teaches, according to the Scripture, Christ rose the third day, according to the Scripture. He is not dead. He is alive forevermore. And we believe that the Scripture teaches, the Hebrews 13, 8, that He is the same in principle, same in power, same in compassion, same in works, yesterday, today, and forever. And everything that He was then, He is now, and will always be. We believe that He taught before He left of His going away that the unbelievers would see him no more after his death. But he promised that the believers would see him, for he would be with them, even in them, to the end of the world. So the world has never met its final doom yet, and Jesus is still with us today. Isn't that a wonderful, glorious, marvelous hope that we have, knowing this, that Christ rose from the dead? Now, if we can only find what he was yesterday, we'll know what he is today and will be forever. Yeah. To the strangers I say this. When he was here on earth, he didn't claim to be a great person. He was just a humble man. No beauty we should desire him. He didn't look in his statue like a king, but he was king of kings. And the works that he did, he claimed that he did none of them by himself. He said, I am never alone. The Father is always with me. Not me that doeth the works, it's the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. He said, the Father worketh, I worketh the other two. I can do nothing but what I see the Father doing. And whatever the Father does, he shows me, then I go do it. St. John 5, 19. You'll find that. The Son, verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father doing, that doeth the Son likewise. And we find out that in his journey... He had power was given to him because he was the anointed God. And they had power that the people out in the audience of him could pull from him virtue. A woman touched his garment, went out in the audience, she was satisfied, she had touched him. So he turned around, looked all around, everybody else touched him, but she touched him with a different touch. He said, looked all around, finally said, who touched me? But I perceive that I'm getting weak. Our virtue has gone out from him. And he looked around until he found the woman and said, Thy faith has healed him. I believe he's the same today. And then when they brought someone to him, he talked to him, and he saw a woman at the well. He began to speak with her a while. He didn't know what her trouble was. The father just told him to go up, instead of going straight to Jericho, go up around Samaria. The way up on the hill is different. So he went up around Samaria, sat down, sent his disciples away according to what the father had showed him. And he sat there and waited for this woman come out. And when the woman come out, he said, bring me a drink just to catch her attention. And then when he began to talk to her, why he found where the trouble was, he said, go get your husband. She said, I have none. Said, you got five. And she said, I perceive that you're a prophet. Now I know when Messiah cometh, he'll do this. He said, I'm he that speaks to you. And she ran into the city saying, come see a man who told me all I ever got. 
And I believe that Philip come up and stood in the meeting, nowhere at all for Jesus to know anything about him. He's just standing there, brought Nathaniel up, a stranger, went over another day's journey somewhere and picked him up, found him praying under a tree. When he come, he stood in the audience of the people. Jesus, looking around like that, seeing the people, he looked out to him, found Nathaniel, first time he'd ever seen him in his pilgrimage. And he said, Behold, an Israelite, in whom there is no guile. In other words, an honest man, truthful. He was astonished to the little Israelite. He said, Whence knowest thou me, Rabbi? He said, Before Philip called you, when you were under the tree, I saw you. My, that sure shook him, didn't it? He said, Thou art the Son of God. Thou art the King of Israel. Jesus said, The things that I do shall you do also. Even more than this shall you do, for I go unto my Father. I know the word's greater there, but if you look at it, it's more. No one could do greater. Stop nature, raise the dead, heal the sick, and so forth. But the very same things that I do shall you do also even more than this, for I go to my Father. He could only be in one place when he was in the body. Now he can be in the body of believers completely the world around. And I believe that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. May he grant those blessings to us tonight. Going back now to our text of Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide for himself a sacrifice. Abraham. I just love to speak of Abraham because it was Abraham to whom the covenant was made. The promise was made to Abraham, and not only to Abraham, but to his seed after him. Not his seeds, because he had many sons, but only to one seed which came through Isaac. Through Isaac came Christ, we being dead, and Christ take on Abraham's seed in our heads according to the promise. And I believe sensibly that I can prove for the Bible that the seed of Abraham are those who have been born again of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, because Christ lives in the believer. That's right. You have Abraham's seed when you have the Holy Ghost. That's right. It was through that promise. And now, that promise wasn't made or given to you by your own goodness. It was God's election and calling that brought you to it. Nothing you ever done to merit it. You never sought after God. God sought after you and gave it to you on the basis of sovereign grace. Nothing in the world that you could do. Nothing you can do about it. What if a pig wanted to be a lamb? It wouldn't do him any good. He's just a pig. His nature's a pig. Well, that's just the same thing it is. By you want, well, I believe I'll become a Christian. You couldn't do it if you had to. God has to do it. You might clean up your life. You might do one thing, pay good tidings into the churches. You might even build a synagogue. You might... Do all these things, but you can't cleanse yourself from sin. It's like a leopard trying to lick his spots off of him. He only makes them brighter. So, the only way a leopard can be changed is for somebody to pick him up and dye his hide. And then he's changed. And the only way that God can do anything with you, or you can be changed from a sinner to a Christian, is to be plunged beneath the fountain filled with blood, drawn from him in those veins where sinners plunge beneath the blood and come out something besides the sinner. Amen. Lose all their guilty stains. That's it. Now Abraham, God called him by election. He wasn't any better than anybody else. He came down out of 
from Babylon, out of the, uh, perhaps maybe his father and him might have been an idol worshiper. For all I know, it was in Babylon, and Babylon was the beginning of idolatry. It was established by Ham, children, which was Nimrod, and finally first was called the Gates of Paradise, later called Babylon Confusion, and that's where idolatry was set up, and perhaps Abraham's father might have been an idolater. But he came down into the a land of Shinar and the city of Ur, and there they had sojourned in there, and God, by sovereign grace, called Abraham. Not Abraham calling God, God called Abraham. And give him the covenant. Now, to my Arlenesian brother, and this may shock just a little bit, but he gave it to him unconditionally. Amen. Right? Not if you'll do this, if you'll do that, there's no if that's to it. I have done it. Amen. In the Garden of Eden, God made a covenant with Adam. Adam broke it. Every time God makes a covenant, a man makes a covenant with God, he breaks it. But this time, God determined that he wasn't going to let his children be lost. He made the covenant wholly unconditional. Told Abraham, a sage, and now you're coming to me in an old age. Not only you, but your seed as you have a sage. My, that's... One of the greatest curses on the full gospel church is not positionally knowing what they are in Christ Jesus. I've always said, I meet two classes of people, and one of them is the full gospel, and the other is the fundamental. Fundamental knows where he's standing positionally, only he's never been born again. It's the fundamental teaching alone, so he doesn't have any faith. And the full gospel has been born again, but don't know where he stands. So it's just as I could ever get uh, full gospel, Pentecostal faith and fundamental believers, or either fundamental believers, fundamental doctrine in the Pentecostal faith, we'd have it made. It's like a man that can write a check, but he hasn't got any money in the bank. The other can write, can't write it. man that can write a check hasn't got no money in the bank. The man that can't write a check has money, but he don't know how to write the check. That's the way it is. What's he going to do? One's got money in the bank, but he can't write a check. <laughs> the other can write a check, and he got no money in the bank. Then what can he do? you got to get those two together. And if we can ever get the skin out of the people, that's something, oh, I don't know, you're wanting a little touch me or hocus pocus, God's word is your basis. God said so. Just laid it out there clearly. That's where we believe it. See, it's not nothing, oh, if I can do this or that. It's not what you've done, it's what God has done for you. People say, oh, if I can just keep holding on. It ain't you holding on. It's whether he held on or not. It ain't what I am, it's what he is. What he represented me at. God don't see me as I am. If I'm in Christ, he sees Christ. You don't see me no more, for I'm dead. My life is hid in him. Sealed by the Holy Spirit, covered by the blood. You get it? Then God takes the faith that Abraham had and places in every believer by the Holy Spirit. You get it? Now, then you begin to believe all things, hope all things. That's when the gospel goes to work in the heart. Not nothing, no great. I think people make it too complicated. But giving some great big lectures, big long words, and what does the common class of people know about them big words? What would I know about them? Nothing. No, sir. 
I just like to see it just really in its simplicity, yet it's the most powerful thing that the world's ever known of, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just accept it upon the basis of the shed blood of the Lord Jesus coming believing. That's the whole thing right there. That's what gives vision. He told me he would do it, and he does it. That's all. Just believe it. He told you he'd heal you. Just believe it. That's all. He said he'd save you. Just believe it. Watch what happened. That's all. Now, Abraham, God called him, gave him the covenant unconditionally, told him he'd come to him in an old age. He'd save him and his seed after him and told him he was going to have a child. Abraham then was about 75 years old, Sarah 10 years younger than Abraham, made her 65 years old. That'll be 40, 50, 60, be 25 years past menopause. They married when they were young. And all this time they lived together as husband and wife, and now God says she's going to have a child by him. But the Bible said, Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong, giving praise to God. He knew God was going to do it. Could you imagine what would happen in Phoenix today if an old man, the age of Abraham and Sarah, would go down to the doctor and say, Now, doctor, we want to make room at the hospital because we're going to have a child. Well, the doctor would say, <clears throat> Excuse me, sir. And I called the psychopathic ward to come pick him up, you see. Because it says something's wrong. Every man that truly steps out and trusts God is misunderstood. Right? Hannah at the temple, she was praying. And you know what? Even the priest thought she was drunk. She didn't go up to Shiloh up there to see what kind of hats the women wore. Uh, who had moved and all about the neighborhood talk. She went up there for one purpose. That was for God to take away a reproach. And she prayed. She didn't care what the people thought. And they misunderstood her and she said, Will you always be drunk? She said, I'm not drunk, my Lord. But I'm praying God take away my reproach. What's the prophet? Said the Lord gives to thee. She raised up and blessed the Lord and went home and had the child. That was all. That's how simple it is. Taking God at his word. Oh, isn't he wonderful? And Abraham went about, I can imagine they made preparations, got everything ready for the baby. And day after day, Abraham said, Sarah, well, Abraham, there's no difference. Well, praise God, we're going to have it anyhow. See? Why? He based his faith upon the word of the Lord. No matter how long it takes, God said it, so that tells it. Oh, if you could only do that. You and these chairs, all these cops, and all your crutches, and setting your heart trouble and cancer. If you could only base your faith, God said so. That settles it. That's all right. I'm the Lord that healeth thee. That settles it. If doctors, I, the doctors are all right. They do what they can do, but there's things that they can't do. So if it's a past the doctor, then he's the Lord. If the doctor might help you, just aid nature, but the God has, God has to heal you. Doctors can't heal you, you don't claim to. You can set your arm, but God has to heal it. You can pull your tooth, but God has to heal it. Sure. Take your appendix out, but God has to heal it. He can't build tissue. God does that. Notice. So Abraham knew that he was going to have the baby by Sarah because God said so. That's a very good basis for faith. God said so. Years passed, months passed. God just kept on blessing Abraham. And he went on, and Abraham keeps testifying he's going to have the child with Sarah. And as days went on, I can 
But here's one thing God told Abraham to do that he didn't do. I don't know whether you ever noticed this or not. God told Abraham to separate himself from all of his kindreds and walk along with him. And Abraham failed to do that. He took his dad along with him, his nephew, and a little party along. And if you'll notice, God never did give the promise to Abraham until absolutely he annihilated himself from all of them. Is that right? The old man was all right, but he's always a thorn in the flesh. And then Lot, look what he did, always trouble between the herdsmen and so forth. When Abraham got to be a hundred years old and seventy, think of it, about twenty-five years or better, they've waited on the promise that they're going to have a child. Abraham still believing. Going to have it anyhow. And instead of getting weaker in faith, now we, if it don't happen right now or tomorrow, we say, you know, I, I, last night I thought I was healed, but today, I don't know, I feel as bad as I ever did. See? How can God do anything for you like that? You call yourself the seed of Abraham then? The seed of Abraham don't take that no for an answer. The seed of Abraham believes it anyhow, regardless of how you feel. That's right. It's not by feeling, it's by faith. Jesus never did say, did you feel it? He said, did you believe it? That's the thing. Did you believe it? That's the main thing. If you believe. All things are possible not to him that feeleth, but him that believeth. But the word where it belongs. Oh, I begin to feel religious right now. Think of it. If we can take God at his word, believe it, that settles it. God promised it. That's all necessary. Now, I want you to notice this now. Then when Abraham got to be nearly a hundred, around a hundred years old, God appeared to him in the 17th chapter of uh, Genesis, and he appeared to him in another name. Abraham said, God, uh, I believe you, but how are these things going to be now? I'm old, and, and Sarah, uh, the strength is dried up. He's an old man. And so she's an old woman. She's 90. And he's 100. Now, how is he going to have the baby? And God appeared to him in the name of the Almighty God. The regular Hebrew word for it is El Shaddai, which means El God Shaddai. It comes from the word of Shaddai, rather, which means breath. Now, not he come otherwise as the mother, the woman. As the breasted one, the all-sufficient one. I am the one that, I'm the all-sufficient one. I am the strong one. That's all I have to know. How are you going to do it, Father? I am the strong one. All right, Father. I am the El Shaddai. I am the bosom. I'm the breasted God. Breasted God, like the baby when it's sick or underfed, undernourished. The mother takes the little fella in its arms, and she puts it to her bosom, and it nurses her strength. And the strength of the mother goes into the baby, and the baby gains health. The Almighty, he's still the Almighty. Still Shaddai. And when the person, now watch, it wasn't the breast God, but the breasted God. Both, why? Two resources. He was wounded for our transgressions, with his stripes were healed. 
Whatever you have need of, both for physical and spiritual, he is the breasted strong one. Amen. Brother, I am able to keep that which I've said. Abraham, knowing that God was able to keep his promise, for he was a strong one. None like him in the heavens, no, where he's able to keep his promise. Sometimes I make a promise and can't keep it. But when God makes a promise, he's able to keep it. Another strong one. Now, Abraham, I know you're old, you're in the second childhood as it was. You're just a little old baby, all your vital organs are drying up, your flesh is all flabby and cereal the same way, but just lean over on my bosom. And not only does the baby draw its life from the mother's breast, but it also is satisfied while it's a drawing. Amen. Hallelujah. That's right. The little fellow quits crying. The mother wipes away its eyes, tears from its eyes, and the little fellow lays over on the mother and just nurses itself back to strength. Oh, sick people, you sitting here tonight, crossing stretchers and wheelchairs. Come up to hell and shall ya. Take a hold of the word. There, go to drawing. Go to smiling. I'm the Lord that healeth thee. All heavens and earth will pass away, but my word shall never pass away. See? Start drawing to man, watch what happens. Feel if your strength doesn't begin to come back. The first thing you know, you'll be satisfied. Yeah, I believe he's going to do it. He'll do it. Just play right with it. Stay with it. God will do it. For he's El Shariah, the strong one, the all-sufficient one, the satisfier. Amen. And the seed of Abraham ever hears the word of God, that satisfies them. That's right. If God said so, don't argue about it. Just believe it. That's all. I love that, don't you? God the satisfier. How that we draw from him and are satisfied while we are drawing. For salvation, we grow in grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. We step in as a personal Savior. God pulls us up to his bosom. My little child, I'll see that you get strong. Don't worry about that. Just stay right here and believe on me. and Just read my word and drink from me. I'll give you all the strength that you need. Isn't that wonderful? Say, Father, I'm sick. Are you the El Chariot? Come up to me and I'll nurse you right back to strength again. Satisfied about it. No matter how long it takes, still satisfied. God's going to do it anyhow. That's what he said. So Abraham, it didn't make any difference how long. Was it five minutes or was it fifty years? Now as he got older, Abraham got stronger all the time. He said, Lord, you could have given the baby twenty-five years ago, but now I'm a hundred. How much more greater miracle is it to do it now than you would a few years ago? God just let him get old to prove, show him what he was going to do. Oh, I just love that, how he did it. And did you notice what he did? I believe the last time I was here, I taught on that, what he did to Sarah and Abraham. I turned back and made a young man and young woman out of him again. You believe that tonight? Sure he did. God don't just patch up anything. He does a real job out of it. Yes, sir. Sarah could not have had the baby like that, so instead of just... Uh, making her womb fertile and, and strengthening the milk veins and so forth like that. 
giving her hormone stimulation so she could have the child. He just breathed up on her and all the wrinkles left, her gray hair turned black again, and her youth renewed and her eyes brightened up, and she was the prettiest woman in all the country. Amen. That's what he did. And Abraham stooped over on his cane, his big long beard, straightened up the hump, went out of his shoulders, the beard turned black again, his eyes began to shine, and he became a man about 25 years old. Tucked his wife and got on a camel and tucked off for a 300-mile journey. Oh, my! What about it? That's the word Right. And he said to Abraham, he'd show what he would do to all of his seed. Wait till we get our glorified body. I said, it's going to be marvelous, isn't it? No sickness, no old age. What a beautiful thing. See, God, when you was born, he started painting the picture. You start getting older. When you get up about 25 years old, the picture's completed. He said, all right, death, come on now. First thing you know, you wake up in the morning and notice, you say, Mother, you got wrinkles on your arm. Yes, Dad, there's a gray hair coming too. What is it? Death set in. Just keeps crowding you down. After a while, it'll finally take you. But in the resurrection, everything that death's done will be taken away. The picture will then you'll come back in the resurrection to perfection. Amen. And Adam that creates the blood cell will make a perfect one. Amen. Without sin. Can't be destroyed, never get old. Oh, what uh, a... Uh, how do you get it, you say? What, what, are you, what are you selling, preacher? I'm selling insurance. Don't you want a policy? Here's the only one way you can come on the basis of the shed blood of Christ. If God knocks at your heart door, God's calling you. Hallelujah. And the very minute, here it is, the very minute you believe it and receive it, you have immortal life. God said so. Look, Romans 8.20 says, Those who he has predestinated into the covenant, you couldn't come without yourself. No man can come to me except my father draws him. Those who were predestinated, he has called. Those who he has called, he has justified. And those who he justified, he has glorified. And in God's presence, you're already glorified. Waiting. Isn't that marvelous? And now while we're waiting for our redeemed bodies, we are sitting together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, the Holy Spirit moving upon the believers, great powerful baptisms going forward, the world on the outside laughing, God working with them, healing the sick, showing visions, all kinds of signs and wonders, the evening sun going down, the Christians looking up. There he gets his drawing now. The atomic bomb hanging in over there. The world all shaking and don't know what to do. And the Christians shouting the praises of God. Come on, Jesus! My, isn't that marvelous? How can a fellow have the blues and believe something like that? Can't do it. The blue days are all over. Amen. All the weariness and sadness has passed away now. Can't do it. God said to us, got to be just as sure as the God of heaven. We got to do it. God's done said so. He promised us, called us, elected us, knew us before the foundation was predestinated a church to be there without spot or blemish. Hallelujah. You're in the church. You've got the predestination. You've got eternal life. 
How do you get a church by one spirit? We're all baptized into one body. Seed of Abraham, heirs according to the promise, dead, dead in Christ, and heirs according to the promise. In Abraham's promise, we're his seed. God working with us, proving, confirming the word with signs and wonders following. The world saying it's not so, it's fanaticism. They set it all down to the age, you're still saying it always will until Jesus comes. He said the world won't see me no more. That don't only mean the gambler and bootlegger, that means lifetime preachers. Right. Notice, but God told Abraham now after the little fellow was born, before I just got this. Bring this again. Maybe it won't hurt to look at it again. It just keeps coming in my mind. How did God do that when after Lot had fixed his separate there from Sodom and the angel come and talked to Abraham? He had things kind of poor. He kept the poorest of ground. He gave his brother the best of it. And then when the angel come and spoke to Abraham and told him about this time, according to the time of life, I visited and Sarah. Back in the tent, laughed. The angel said, what'd you laugh for? Said, I never laughed. Said, oh, yes, you did. <laughs> He's still the same God. That's right. So he said, God has made the promise. No matter what Sarah done or what about it, God made the promise. So he's obligated to his promise. I just imagine a few days after that, after Sodom and Gomorrah and the destruction then Sarah begins to turn back to a young woman, and Abraham, a young man, and they went on. Now, I know you can't read that just in that kind of word in the Bible, but if you notice, they took a journey to Gerar. Now, let's just imagine this and see how, you know, the best way to read the Bible is not just like a newspaper and say, well, tomorrow will be cloudy and rainy and so forth. The thing to do is become in love with the author. Yeah. Someone said not long ago, said, Brother Branham, if you just get some, a little bit of your grammar fixed up and, and a few of these things there, said you ought to take some night schooling and so forth. I said, well, I need some night prayer meeting. He said, said well, you, I tell you, you'd learn more about the Bible. I said, I may not know so much about his word, but I know the author real well. So that's the best thing, as long as you know the author. Knowing in the free parting of sin, by the renewal of his he is bringing his immortal life and placing it in our mortal bodies, giving us the blessing of the church that someday we'll see him as he is, where we'll have a body like his. Isn't that marvelous? Think of it. Then, notice again, here's Sarah now. Let's just take it the way you'd read in the Bible. Now, you know she's a little bitty great-great-grandmother, as it was, nine years old, little dust cap, little white shawl over her shoulders, a little cane in her hand, walking around. Abraham, real old, a hundred years old, or say, Brother Bram, they didn't get, the Bible said they were well stricken in age. Well stricken old. And as soon as God told them what he was going to do, they took a journey plumb to career. And now the king, Al McDown there, was hunting a sweetheart. And when he found this old grandmother, real, real old, a little dust cap, he said, there's the one I waited for. Now doesn't that sound awful? Why, it would be. Watch between, it ain't what you read right here. That's it, of course. But read between the lines. When I get a letter from Miss Branham, she said, Dear Billy, I'm sitting here tonight 
Uh, I'm thinking much of you. Uh, we had a nice day today. See, that's what you're saying, but in between the lines, I know what she's meaning, see? Why? I'm in love with her. <laughs> that's the reason I know what she's talking about. I just love her so I can just tell the way she talks, what she means. A lot of times she means a whole lot more than what she writes. Amen. Amen. Well, that's the way it is with God. Just get in love with Jesus. Then he just takes the word and what a man just reads it as a part of something or other to argue about and fuss about. You just read it and God just comes down and makes love to you and shows you things that you don't even really see it in there. It just looks like it just pulls itself out. He said, I'll hit it from the eyes of the wise and prudent and reveal it to babes such as will learn. Baby, just make yourself humble. Get off all your great big education. It's too bad we ever got into it, isn't it? That's right. Here a few days ago, a few weeks ago it is, I was standing by a great church, great master church, and they were telling me, they said, look at this fellow over here, he's a Latter-day Saint, or, no, Latter-day Ring. And oh, look at there, he's got all the people all pulled up and everything like that, and, and it was a full gospel church. And I said, do you know what happened? I said, oh, he said, look, he's the Latter-day Rain. I said, so is you. In the beginning, Luther was the Latter-day Rain to the, uh, to the Catholic. Wesley was the Latter-day Rain to the Luther. Pentecost was the Latter-day Rain to the Methodist. There's all kind of Latter-day Rains. Isn't that right? You know what's the matter? Your church gets all cold and formal. God moves out of it and it's just sat there. Start somewhere else. That's right. I'm not a Latter-day Rain. I'm just your brother. I don't care whether you're first rain, second rain, middle rain, all rain, or, or no rain. It don't make any difference to me. I love you just the same, and we're brothers. Yeah. Yeah. He said, well, said all this big church said, our best members went over there. I said, they did. I said, what did they go for? I said, that man come over and pull them away? No. I said, well, what did they go for? You said, they're your best members. I said, because they were hungry. If you quit teaching so much theology and call each one doctor, Ph.D., D.D.D., and get God back in church, get some little old boy over your pair of overalls all on hair, go to preaching the gospel, and it's different. Now, that's right. I don't care if you don't know his ABCs or split peas from coffee. Let me tell you, brother, as long as he knows Jesus Christ and they talk to his nose and heart, hit me, but as long as he's got God with him, something will happen in your church, I'll tell you that. I'd rather have that than all the PhDs and everything else. That's psychology. I want to know God and the power of his resurrection. Right. Now, you said, I guess you're about right. I said, you're not far from the kingdom now. Amen. So that's true, friends. We just think all about all the best plants. Our minister must be a student. He must be this, that, the other. To me, he must, the Bible requirement, he must be filled with the Holy Ghost. That's the main man. Now go look yourself out among you so many men, even for your deacons with the Holy Ghost. Notice, Abraham and Sarah, as they started down his rear, and this little king fell in love with Sarah and Abraham. Think of it now. Oh, my, this one kind of hit a hole in this pretty hard. <laughs> Abraham backslid to begin with. 
God told him, don't you leave the land, the drought come on, he left it in hell. God told you to do something, you didn't do it, you're backslid. So Abraham was backslid, and he left Palestine, was backslid, that's your land of promise. So he got down there, and he also told a lie. He said, that's uh, not my wife, that's my sister. <laughs> Scared of his own hide. Went over there and sat down and let that king talk her over there, because he knew that he'd have to kill him in order to get his wife, because he done fell in love with that great-grandmother. So he, he got over that, you know that couldn't be. Well, my, she's a beautiful young woman. So they tucked her over there and dressed her all up and put her earrings on her, everything, getting her ready for the wedding. The next day, Alma stretched himself out on the bed that night after praying a while, thanking the Lord for his nice bride he was going to have the next day. And the Lord appeared to him and said, you're just as good as a dead man. He said, why? He said, you got a man's wife. He said, well, Lord, didn't, uh, you know the integrity of my heart. Didn't he tell me that was his sister? And she said, that's my brother. That's the reason I kept you from sinning against me. He said, but look, her husband is my prophet. Hallelujah. What was he? Now, because you did a little something wrong, you're not lost. Repent. Come back to God. Abraham sat out there backslidden telling a little white lie. But the little white ones are big black ones. Look. Said, oh yes, that, that's my sister and so forth and backslidden sitting out there scared of his own skin. And God said, but no matter who he was, that's my prophet. I've given him the promise. I called him by election. Amen. He may be backslidden. Now that didn't give him a chance to lie, but God said, I'll deal with him for that. But anyhow, he's mine. That's right. And you're taking his wife back or everything you've got for to die. My, he rose from there and grabbed that woman the way he went. Yes, sir, he's going to make things right for restitution. That's what we need tonight, a bunch of that kind of revival to break out across the country. Oh, after the little Isaac was born, become the loving heart, the mother, daddy now about 115 years old, Sarah about 105. God said, now, Abraham, I want to tell the people down in the age to come just exactly how I'm going to do this. I told you I'd make you a father of many nations. All the world would be blessed through your seed. Now you're 115 years old or about somewhere there. Sarah's 105. And you wait all that time. Now I want you to take the only hope that you have that I'll keep my word. Take him up there and kill him. My Abraham wouldn't tell the mother, because he knowed her old, it would wear her. But his faithful old heart, he saddled up a couple of mules, put some wood on it, took his son the next morning, rose up, and went three days' journey. Then he looked up, saw the mount way off where God showed him in a vision where to go to. He said, that's the mountain far off, done gone three days. And then when he got over there, I love this, he said, now, you wait here. While the lad and I go yonder to worship, yeah. the lad and I will return. Peace is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. How is he going to return? When he's going there with a knife sticking in his bosom, just lance the life out of his own boy on the altar. But God, to Abraham, knew that he'd given to him as a shadow of death. He was able to raise him from the dead. 
Abraham, the I and the Son will return. How are you? Not my business to figure out how we're going to do it, but God will make a way. God will do it somehow. How are you if you're dying with heart trouble? How are you going to get well when the doctor says that you can't live another week? I don't know, but God will provide. God will make a way somewhere. As he sold the wood on little Isaac's shore and climbed up the hill, type of Christ, which we had time to go into it, but we're pressed right now. So up the hill went Isaac. He said, Father, he said, here is the wood, and here is the, the fire, the altar, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? He said, My son, God will provide for himself a lamb. Hallelujah. Oh, my. You see? Yes. Something had to happen. God will provide. I told the boys, you and I'd be back. God told me to come up here and kill you. But God will provide. Somehow, I don't know how I'm going to come out, but I'm just walking on. God will provide. I love that, don't you? His faith didn't fail. He didn't stagger. Reached over and got his son, tied his hands and feet his only beloved son. God and Abraham did. God and Abraham could to God to take his own word to Abraham to trust himself. And if you've got the Holy Spirit, surely God can trust his own word as your healer. As your Savior. So he tied the little fellow's arms and threw him up on the altar and reached back, stroked his hair out of his face. Think of it. Only son pulled the knife out of the sheath, laid his little head back like that, his juggler veins that come across his throat, his trembling hands. The crucial moment comes. His only son. Perhaps reached down and kissed him, not knowing just what would take place, but he was trusting God. That's Abraham's seed does the same thing. When the last moment comes, they still take God at his promise. Reached down, got the knife, pulled it back, just started to stab his little boy into the throat. And about that time, the angel grabbed his hand and said, Abraham! Stay in our hands! Amen! God will provide himself a sacrifice. And about that time, a lamb bladed, hooked with his horns in the wilderness. Where did that lamb come from? Look, Abraham was three days' journey from civilization. An ordinary man can walk about 30 miles a day. I can't. And an ordinary man can walk 30 miles a day. Then he lifted up his head and saw the mountain fall off. What's the impossibilities now? Perhaps uh, between 90 and 100 miles away from civilization. And then again, the lamb was up on top of the mountain where there's no springs, nothing for him to drink, nothing for him to eat. And the Lamb appeared on the scene in the crucial moment, for He's Jehovah Jireh. He can take care of the circumstances and the emergencies, isn't He? 
Lamb's place. Who is that Lamb? Jesus Christ. The Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. What? It wasn't a vision. The Lamb wasn't a vision. It was a real Lamb. He picked it up and killed it in a blood run out of it. Hallelujah! You see? It was a real Lamb. God spoke it into existence in one minute. It was tucked out for sacrifice the next minute. God can do all things. He can meet the crucial moment. He can provide what is all the way to do it. He's Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide himself. How are you going to get well when the doctor says you can't? He's Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide the healing. I'm a prostitute. I'm a harlot. I'm all these bad things. How can God save me? God will provide himself a sacrifice. And he did at Calvary. Whenever type was met, in the end of type, when Jesus Christ died for the sins of the people and the healing of their bodies, when he died at Calvary. Oh, if we could see that, friends, it would really make different people out of us. Here not long ago, I was watching, talking to some ladies today about it. Makes your attitude different when you really see it. Now, just a moment, I'm closing. Winding up the service just now, ready for the healing. Look this way. I just feel the Holy Spirit just moving all through the building now. Here some time ago, I was up in Ohio, in Akron, or somewhere up there in Ohio, having a meeting. And we were eating at a little junkard restaurant. Nice little ladies, all cleaned up. And they were ladies, ever with of them. And they was waiting on us as a pleasure to go there and eat in that nice place. Well, Sunday came, they, they went to church, closed up their place, just across the way. I was out in the country, away to the crossroads. Crowds were so great, couldn't stay right around the city. So I went across, the boys went in, I had to preach that afternoon. I'd been kind of praying all morning, and all of them had gone to the meeting, Brother Baxter and all. And I thought, I'm so hungry, I'm going to get a sandwich. I went up, walked down the road a little piece and went into an ordinary little restaurant, little road place. And when I walked in behind the door, the door shut behind me real hard. And I looked and there stood a, a policeman with his arm around a woman playing a slot machine. Gambling's illegal in Ohio. And I thought, the law, the very law, and the man was my age, perhaps married and had a family home. I thought, oh, my corruption, filth. I looked back at a table back there and some young boys and a lady, that little young lady about 18, 20 years old, they ought to have been in Sunday school somewhere. Those boys drinking back there and all the way they was abusing that girl and her standing there and letting them do it. And I had to look over to my right and there was an elderly woman sitting there with little clothes on she oughtn't to have had on, real old, about 65, maybe better, and she had a purple uh, makeup on her mouth and on her toenails, and, and her arms, poor old thing, was flabby, and, and her hair was boyish, bobbed in little kinky curls up on her. She was trying to light a cigarette, drunk, and two drunken men with her. And I thought, oh, God, how can you look at such as that? I thought, my little Sarah Rebecca going to have to be raised up in a world like that. God, why don't you destroy the thing? Take it all off. I don't see how you can stand it. So look at such a thing as that. I was standing there criticizing her. The two drunks with her got up and went out. 
to be gone just for a while. And just then I felt something moving on me. I went back and sat down in a little booth to the side. Nobody paid any attention to me yet. It's kind of dark in the corner. And there God gave me a vision and changed my mind to things. I looked there and I saw a world. And around the world was it was like a red streak, just a spray. Some said, this is the blood of the Lord Jesus who died to save sinners. That's the reason that God can't destroy. He can't fear. He can't. Every mortal being has a right and has a right to accept their salvation until they die and go beyond that blood. They don't have to stand in judgment. They are already judged. The day you there, that day you die. But as long as you're here, you've got a right to the tree of life if you'll accept it. Then I looked, and above it there stood the Lord Jesus in a vision. Not seen his thorns on his head and the blood running down his face and big mockery spit over his precious beard. And he was jerking his head like that once in a while, jumping like that. Oh, what is that, my Lord? And he said, that's your sin. And I've seen that the blood of Jesus to my own sins was acting like a bumper. If it had went beyond that stream of blood there that was around the earth when he died to settle the sin question, if it went beyond that, then God would have killed me. But the order is like the bumper to the car. To keep your car from being hurt, the bumper catches the lick. And the blood of Jesus catches your sins. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. And I looked there. There my name laying there on an old book. Wrote all kinds of things condemned. I crawled up to his feet and I said, Lord Jesus, will you forgive me then? I didn't mean. I said, you mean my sins? Hurt you like that? Said yes. He took his hand and dipped it in his side. Took his finger, wrote across the book, pardon. Put it back behind him like that. Put his arms together, looked at me. He said, "I forgive you, didn't I?" I said, "Yes, Lord, I love you, for it. He said, "But why are you condemning her then? I'm, you're willing to to condemn someone else, but look, you was condemned once yourself. And freely he pardons you." That changed my motive. As soon as I got out of the vision, I walked over there to her. I said, Madam, could I talk to you a minute? She said, Oh, I have company. I said, I don't mean it that way, lady. I'm a minister of the gospel. I want to talk to you. She tucked her cigarette down. She said, Yes, sir. And I said, Why are you living like this? I said, You don't really enjoy this. Are you a mother? She said, Yes, sir. And she gave me her story. It was a heartbroken story, a picture of life's other side disappointments and things. She said, Sir, I was raised in a Christian home. I told her what the Lord Jesus rebuked me for condemning her and wanted her blowed up or something like that. I said, Lady, I want to ask you, will you forgive me for having such thoughts about you? She said, Certainly, son, will you pray for me and I'll be saved. I said, Will you kneel down here? She said, I will. We turned that place into a prayer meeting. That's right. The woman got saved. See? God will provide, won't he? God will provide. He has already provided a way of escape for everyone. Shall we pray while we bow our heads just a moment? Our Heavenly Father, we come to thee with all of our hearts to confess our wrongs and knowing us being the seed of Abraham. And yet, Lord, how thou hast dealt with us wondrously, forgiving us our sins and trespasses. And tonight in this audience, as we've seen the simplicity of the preaching of the gospel, 
how that Christ died for our sins and our sins, and to reconcile us back to God the Father, that we might, through his reconciliation, be brought back to a full sonship with God. How we thank you. Father, many are wayward, and they don't mean to be that way, Lord. Maybe some in here tonight, maybe drunkards, maybe people that's done, stepped over the line and went into immoral acts and done everything that's wrong like that, but God, you still love them. Now, will you save them tonight, Lord? Will you bring that poor, wandering backslider, no matter if he's setting out, lied and condemned and feels maybe he's crossed the separating line? No, he hasn't. Your spirit's still calling as long as it calls. Your, your wandering child to come home. Won't you grant tonight, Father, that the Holy Spirit bring conviction in the audience and bring many wandering children to thee? For we ask that in his name, with our heads bowed, and eyes that it's you talking to me. This feeling in my heart, I know it's you. I'm raising my hand to you, Father, and ask you to be merciful to me, a sinner. Will you do it someone else? God bless you. Someone, God bless you, lady. God bless you, sir. Up in the balcony to my left, God be merciful to me. I now accept Jesus as my Savior. I'm coming, Father, upon the basis of the shed blood of your Son, the Lord Jesus. I come. I can't do nothing. I'm helpless, Lord. But I want you to know that I, I, I realize that you're talking to my heart now. And here I am. I'm raising my hand to you. You're speaking. I'm raising my hand. To the balcony to the right, would you raise your hand? God bless you, little lady. Someone else raise your hand. Say, remember me, God. God bless you. Someone else. Say, I'm raising my hand to God, our Father, that he'll be merciful. And pardon me. Is there a wayward backslider tonight would raise your hand anywhere in the audience, anywhere? Say, I'm coming, Lord, take me back. I'm like Abraham. I have wandered away. I feel just tugging at my heart now. Here I am, Lord. I, I hold my hand to you that I'll recognize your voice. Once it's away, but I'm coming home now. One of those in here tonight, just all you do is let God see that you're honest and sincere. Don't grieve his spirit if he's speaking to you. Say, here, Lord, here's my hand. I know what you're speaking to me. I raise my hand and ask you to be merciful to me. God bless you, lady. God bless you. God bless you. That's good. God bless you. That's wonderful. Recognize me. That's, be real, man and women. Be honest with yourself. Somebody in here without the Holy Spirit, say, I want to be remembered, Brother Branham. The Holy Spirit speaking to me now. I want the baptism of the Holy Spirit to be brought into the body of the Lord Jesus. I'm raising my hand to God that he'll give me the Holy Ghost. God bless this great number of people with their hands up, warning the Holy Ghost. One night I want to just bring them all around the altar. Just keep praying, raising your hand. So Wonderful. I'm just watching the Holy Spirit. You know, friends, something's happening. Your attitude towards Christ has brought the anointing of the Holy Ghost upon me. And I, 
visions are breaking over the audience. I don't know if I ever see it just this way. You may raise your head now. God be merciful to you. I just feel that you're going. How many sick in here tonight? How many feel better since you raised your hand to God? Let's see you raise your hand again. Say, I feel better. Look, the ones raise your hands everywhere. Maybe 30, 40. That's wonderful. God bless you, each one. I just feel real strange about this just now. How many people in here that's sick want you to be prayed for? Raise your hand. I don't care. You don't have. That's without prayer cards or anything. You just raise your hand. Everywhere. Look, the angel of the Lord is already over the audience. I want you to give me your attention. Be reverent, real reverent. And I want you to look this way and believe. If our Lord Jesus is standing here, surely he'd know how and when, how to do things. Isn't that right? Now don't move around if you can help it. Just be real reverent just a moment. I don't believe we're going to have to call a prayer line. I believe he's going to heal everybody in here. I really do. I just have the strangest feeling. I just, just feel the Holy Spirit just pulling all over the audience. Now, I am not a fanatic. You know that. I'm telling you the truth. Somebody start believing. How many has been in my meetings before and knows how it happens? I see your hands. How many of you believe it's the Spirit of the Lord? Move your hands and wave it. God bless you. Oh, my. Let's look this away just a moment. Up in here, somebody in those balconies somewhere, start believing. Anybody up in there wants to be prayed for, don't have a prayer card, wants to be prayed for, raise up your hand. Just pray now. Look this away just a moment. God bless you. It looks like the audience could see this. I wish that, that you could. That light that you see in the picture here hangs right here, just a few feet from me, right in this direction. It's moving up towards the balcony, right in here. Moving up. Yes, it's standing over a man. The man sitting right up here with a white shirt on, hanging just above him. I believe he's a Spanish man. He's got a little boy sitting by him. Would you raise your hand, sir, to be prayed for? You have a prayer card? You don't? You believe me to be God's prophet? God has honored you, sir. Your wife's sitting there. That's your little boy. And you want that little boy prayed for? If God will tell me what's wrong with your little boy, will you accept the healing? The little boy has stomach trouble. If that's right, wave your hand. Your little boy is going to be well. The blessings of God is upon you. 
essays now, everyone. The God of Abraham is present. He's your God. Have faith, believe. Somewhere in the audience, believe. I see it hanging over a man standing right back here. The man has something wrong with him. He's praying right now. And in his mind, he's wondering if it's him is calling. The man has rupture. That's right. You're a stranger here. You've just come here recently, perhaps today. you come from California here. That's right, isn't it? God bless you. <laughs> May you go back well. Have faith. Kind of a heavy set lady looking to me. Praying. It's not for yourself. It goes to a lady sitting next to her. Your mind went far away. You're praying for somebody else, too. I don't know you, but you're praying for a friend of yours that's crippled or something. And that woman is that person lives in Missouri. Is that is that right? Is it? I see a lot of waving hardwood and things waving around. It's a, it's Missouri. God bless you. There's a man sitting right in behind you there. It walks on a crutch or a cane or something. He's turned around looking at someone. You're suffering with diabetes also. Is that right, sir? You believe Christ heals you? Stand up. Lay your crutch, just leave it laying on the floor. When you go out, you don't need it no more. You're healed. Have faith in God. Lay you in a stretcher. I can't heal you. But do you believe me to be God's servant? I don't know. you never seen you. You are suffering with a, a... You've been sick before. And you had a, a cancer. And you passed that cancer. A tumor's got you now. But you had faith. Someone else brought you. That's right. You thought if you could ever get in my meeting again, you'd be healed. Will you obey me as a servant? Take up your bed in the name of Jesus Christ and go home. Rise up. Take your clothes. Go home. What about you? Having faith? Don't be excited. Believe. Have faith in God, any of you. I don't care who you are. 
Make your eyes. Someone else, raise your hand or something. Here. If you believe, look this way and say to God, I really believe it to be the truth. Of course, I can only say as I see. God bless you, lady. Now, you can take your belongings. Go ahead home rejoicing, saying, Thank you, Lord. If you believe with all your heart, you can go. What about you, lady, sitting there in a wheelchair looking at her? Do you believe with all your heart? The lady's hard of hearing, but the angel of God standing over. Look on me. You believe me? Now you hear me. You've had an accident. You broke your bone in the side, the leg or hip in there. You've been laid up a long time. Then you had a stroke and paralyzed you. You believe me to be God's prophet? You believe me? Will you accept me as God's prophet? Stand up on your feet then. Jesus Christ make you well. Give her a hand there, mister. Stand up on her feet till I walk home. Rise up. Jesus Christ make you be all. God bless you. Now you go ahead at home. Listen. 